you think you can get real news about Israel from major news sources located far away from Israel? Think again. Get it from the source. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Well, hello, hello. It has been a long time since I have done a show due to the high holiday season. And we are over that now. It is uh, a time where we're going to have a full month of no no Jewish holidays, I should say. And uh, it's good to be back at the mic and to be back with all of you, all of you, very precious people, you, my listeners, I really appreciate you tuning into Israel News Talk Radio, and I hope that you will share the news about us existing to your friends and family, to your uh, community, to your synagogues, your churches, uh, your your mosques, whatever. Tell people that if they want to hear real news from on the ground here in Israel, they can listen to IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. We have live shows. We have uh, all of our shows are uh, podcasted, so you can listen on demand as well. But people need to know that we exist. So tell them to tune into IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You're listening to the Tamar Yona show right here on Israel News Talk Radio. Today, the topic of our show drugs, politics, wars, and gold. How does this all tie in? Our guest is going to be talking about politics here in Israel, the United States, the UK, Italy, interesting things happening, um, new leadership, etc. Oh, oh, okay. And uh, wars across South Asia, Taiwan, drug trade, gold and silver. So those are the topics we're going to be talking about today. We have joining us Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He's a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University, and has authored over 80 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideastern world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All right, good to have you here. I just want to warn everybody that we are having... Uh, a little bit of stormy weather, and that sometimes affects the power or the internet in our area. So if we fall off the air, just bear with us. Hopefully we'll, we'll be back after a few seconds or a few minutes at most, hopefully. Okay, so where would you like to start, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem? Yeah, let's start with politics. It's a, a complex uh, Politics. You know, it doesn't have to bore you, but it just seems like, at least in Israel, it's just the same thing over and over again. Our, we're having elections now, and this is probably the most uneventful elections that Israel has ever had. So many people I know don't even, are not interested in going to vote because it's just the same politicians nothing's new over and over against the same recycled garbage well i don't quite agree with you but that's okay you can uh, not agree with me but i'm interested why you don't agree with me why don't you agree with me well first of all because every election is very significant particularly in israel Uh, uh, so even if you, you you think that things 
more or less remain the same. They don't. I mean, we, you, you said basically the same thing in the last election, and look what happened. We had this ridiculous government where we now have a a, 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 a prime minister who was just um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, I just saw a, a, a clip of him praising some uh, uh, policemen for their bravery when this jerk was too much of a coward to spend to, to, to serve in the army himself. So he's he's praising 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 bravery. Okay, so you know, you know what? Silly. So so you can't say that it, it, things aren't consequential. I'm I, I'm going to tell you why I think they aren't consequential because we've had how many elections in the last what year and a half, two years, three years? What what has it been? Well, this will be the fourth election in forty two months. Okay, so if BB. Look, the the other the other governments we had also they dropped quickly, and who was prime minister? Bibi. So and and Bibi would have Bibi. By the way, is Netanya, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu? That's his nickname. And uh, it, we know Bibi was courting the Arabs as well beforehand, but he kept it hush hush. And then when the left does it, he all of a sudden blames them. Look, they're seen with the Arabs. It's the same thing. He will sit with whoever he needs. This is my opinion. He will sit with anyone he needs to sit with, including the Arab parties. I believe my opinion, just as. The left did because people want power. Second of all, when I heard uh, Benny Gantz say that he, this is just recently, it was just a couple of days ago, he was saying how he is not going to sit with BB. He's not going to negotiate with BB. He's not going to have a BB government. It's, it's like the, it's just like going back into time, deja vu. Anyone but BB. And what happened when he did this the last time? He sat and made a government with Bibi. And his excuse was, well, the, the state of Israel really needed to have a government already. He was right, by the way. But in any case, he went back on his word. He will sit with Bibi this time as well. What is, and and you, know, you know what upsets me and other Israelis? That they think that we're so stupid. It's like we've been there before. We're not dumb. We're not stupid. We know that all the things they say is just like gone with the wind. It doesn't matter. They can't be trusted, these politicians. Well, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. It's not quite true. You have to remember something uh, 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 very basic about democratic politics. And that is that despite what somebody is saying before the election, there's a reality on the ground once the election has taken place. So they, they, they can make all sorts of promises, but these are promises in terms of their intentions. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that they, they actually have the power to do them. Um, sometimes they have to take into account reality. And reality sometimes can be kind of sticky and unpleasant. That's life. You shouldn't make promises that you can't keep and he could say or they could say we will uh we don't want to sit with them we will do everything we can not to sit with them or not to do this or we're going to do this we're going to try to do this it's just people here in israel come on mordechai whether you agree with me or not you you must agree that the people in israel looking at the elections the upcoming election it's lackluster i agree with that i i, I agree that it's lackluster people are people are are, are a bit fatigued it's clear that's normal, that's legitimate, but that doesn't mean that we can allow ourselves to be complacent. 
Oh, I didn't say to be replace, uh, complacent. I just said that we should, uh, that, that we're tired of this, that it's something needs to change. And you're saying that things do change. And I'm saying it's the same thing, just with different clothes on, different faces. That's no, what I think. No, no, My no, opinion. I, I, I don't agree. Even under, even under the three Netanyahu governments that were short-lived. I'll just give you one example right now. Okay. Even under the three Netanyahu governments that were short-lived, the economy continued to develop and move forward. While under this previous government, uh, this government that we have right now, the economy in Israel has pretty much um, stagnated, or I shouldn't say stagnated, that's, that's probably an exaggerated term, but in many respects has not, has not moved forward. So we've, had, we've, paid a, we've paid a dear price for this. Unfortunately, the, as usual, the, the media does not allow people to know that, you have to dig very deep to find out. Just to give you one example, um, when BB left the government, the foreign currency reserves were uh, $220 billion, and they're now at $200 billion. So 10% of our currency reserves have disappeared under this, this government that we, have, that we have right now. That's, that's very significant. Yeah, but I think that, that, that th- these, this situation is happening every, everywhere in the world. I don't know how much is due to the left, and I do not like the left's values, but uh, whatever. Okay, let's go to some news. Enough arguing okay. here. We'd love to argue. Uh, let's, look at, <laughs> let's look at politics around the world a little bit, including Israel. Yes. Okay, so as, we, as we've been uh, inferring, uh, Israel is coming to election uh, next week. The United States is coming to election uh, a week, one week later, the UK is now in the process of uh, of uh, basically a, 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 an electoral mix-up, um, uh, where the, the the prime minister has resigned after being prime minister for the shortest period of time in in uh, UK history. Italy has just changed its um, uh, 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 government to a so-called right-wing government, as has Sweden. Um, so what we're seeing is that there's a lot of motion. There's a lot of change going on. Um, some of this change will have interesting repercuss- repercussions as time goes on. Let me give you one example of what we're seeing going on now. Germany is in a state of, of uh, uh, that, that appears to be imminent collapse. The entire country. The, 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 the German military, what, what little military they can claim to have, has uh, uh, an inventory of two days' worth of ammunition under the best-case scenario. Two days. If they have to go to war anywhere, they will simply run out of ammunition. Uh, Electricity in Germany is the most expensive in the world now. It's even more expensive than Tahiti, where they import every drop of oil that they use to to make their electricity. Um, German industry is transferring to the United States. And that has a double meaning. That means... German industry is in a state of collapse, while the United States has well planned how they're planning to destroy European industry by transferring it to the United States. So there's a lot going on. And just to give a, a, an example of that, a lot going on, both Poland and Greece have now issued demands for war reparations from, from Germany, both for World War I and World War II. So... They perceive Germany as weak and weakening, and they're about to take advantage of that. 
Okay, let's hold it there. The music is on. That means we're going to a break. When we get back, we're going to be talking more about this as well as what's happening in Italy, uh, other places as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American Time, 7 a.m. Israeli Time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom, I'm Leah Aharoni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah, every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. We are back at the Tamar Yona Show here on Israel News Talk Radio on this rainy Sunday afternoon here in Israel. And we are speaking with Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem on drugs, politics, wars, and gold, how they might all tie in together, or at least a picture of what we need to know what's going on in the world. And you were talking, you ended your last uh, item on Germany. Just want to re- repeat that and, uh, and then we'll go on. Okay, I, I said that Germany is weak and weakening, and countries like Poland and Greece are taking advantage of that. And I so put myself out on a limb a little bit and say that they're probably not the last ones to, learn to take advantage of it. Germany has done a great deal of harm over the 20th century, and a lot of people are still very insulted by that. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of those people are still alive. <laughs> Yes, yes. Despite the best, best, uh, best efforts of the Germans, they're still alive. Yes. Anyway, so the world as we know it is sort of coming undone, and there's more than a fifty percent chance. And that's an enormous proportion. A more than fifty percent chance of a massive implosion. And let me give you just one example of something that is indicative of the possible implosion that we're seeing, that we may be seeing. I'm sorry. Um, there's been a tremendous amount of talk from American media about the danger of Putin using nuclear weapons. Well, one of the things that we've learned over the last couple of decades about the American Democratic Party is that they tend to indicate their intentions by claiming that this is what the other side is doing. So is the United States planning a nuclear first strike somehow connected with the Ukraine war? A lot of people are thinking so. A lot of people are talking about that. Not in America, of course. But there seems to be a lot of discussion right now over the last week or so of the possibility of the United States using nuclear weapons for the first time since the Second World War. 
Not not Russia, the United States. What would be the interest in doing that? Um, that's a very complicated question, but it's a good question. Um, one of the major suppliers of the Democratic Party of funding is the um, uh, United States weapons industry. And I say weapons industry, it's much more than weapons, of course. It's the, what, what, what Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. But basically, the, the, the five or six enormous American companies like Lockheed, Boeing, etc., these are tremendous uh, um, uh, uh, donate, donators to the Democratic Party, all of them. And all of them donate primarily to the Democrats. In other words, what we've been seeing over the last few cycles is they'll donate to both the Democrats and the Republicans, but the Democrats will get 80% of the donation. So uh, 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 the United States likes war. They always have. The United States industry likes war. That's how they sell things. The United States government has used war many times in its, in its history to solve economic conundrums. So what would be the interest of that? The interest of that is that the United States administration attempted to use the Ukraine war, and I'm about to talk about this in a moment, um, to leverage the, these, these uh, um, um, military-industrial com- com- corporations, and they basically failed because... Their planning is about the the, the, the level of planning of a, of, a, of a third grader, but that that's what they tried to do. So they may very well escalate in order to try to leverage, again, major military complex into something that will be politically expedient within the United States. Now let me give you some numbers so you can see what, I, what it is that, that, what that really means. Okay. The United States today has... Tremendous insufficiency of ammunition. In other words, if the United States goes to war today, heaven forbid, or against anyone, they do not have sufficient ammunition for one week of fighting. One week. So can they go to war on themselves against Russia or China without using nuclear weapon? They cannot. They have no way of going to war with either Russia or China. They have no way of going to war with anybody larger than Granada. How did that happen after uh, a Trump administration that the U.S. military doesn't have what it needs? Exactly. Okay, so the, the, the United States sent to Ukraine 8,500 javelins. They produce 1,000 a year. The United States sent 1,400 Stinger missiles. They produce zero. The United States sent 880,000 rounds of artillery ammunition they produce they produce seventy five percent of the total NATO inventory. They produce fourteen thousand a month. In other words, to replace what they've already sent, they need to ramp up production. Ramping up production is a three year process. They have not yet begun to replace what they've sent, what they've used, what the Ukraine has used. Okay, and so I have to ask this question then: Why would the United States? under the Biden administration, send Ukraine the ammunition that the United States would need in, in order to protect itself if war broke out for whatever reason? I, I, basically, I just said why. Because the U.S., particularly the Democratic Party, historically, 
has used war to fix internal problems. You galvanize the population by going to war. But you don't go to war unless you believe that you can win it. And if you think that you don't have enough ammunition, no, 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 I disagree. You go to war because you go to war. It's not necessarily. I don't think that Johnson thought he was going to win in Vietnam. I don't think he had any thoughts whatsoever. I don't think. Okay, um, okay, uh, okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. But that may have been because Vietnam was really not a threat to the existence of America. When you're talking about the Ukraine with Russia, you're talking about the the possibility of the uh, the lack that that America will not survive because Russia could and would, well, I don't know would, but could could retaliate, and that would be the end of America. It would be the end of humanity, basically. Also, that's true. That That is that is a very good thing that you said. This is true. But I'm, I, so I just want to understand that, as I think that many of our listeners may have that question as well. Almost all major U.S. defense systems are dependent upon Chinese imports. Yet, what are, what are they doing with China? Are they cooperating with China or are they competing with China? All strategic reserves of the United States are depleted. Not just the oil, not just the petroleum strategic reserve, but all strategic reserves. Biden, in two years, has caused more harm to the United States, whether it be militarily, industrially, or educationally, or socially, than any president in history of the United States. Anybody. Okay, and I can see that. Yes, I think I think a lot of people can see that. Go ahead. Biden makes Benedict Arnold look like a hero. And if there are people that are that are listening that, that from other countries don't know who Benedict Arnold was, Benedict Arnold was the was a uh, an American uh, uh, military officer who he defected to the British during the Revolutionary War. And caused a great deal of harm. He was a traitor. Biden, makes Benedict Biden is probably the greatest traitor in the history of the United States. It is impossible today to look at the data and to not conclude that the Biden administration, whether him personally, if he has any brain remaining to him, or, or whoever is, is, is controlling him, whatever that means, has done more harm in two years than any president in the history of the United States. I, I would I would I would term it maybe as the Biden administration and not Biden. Well it doesn't matter. I, because I it's like you said, how much of this is Biden? It, it's like you said. Just again, I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the White House has released its so called national security strategy after a two year delay. Again, unprecedented. What does the section on the Middle East talk about? The National Security Strategy for the, new, for the Middle East says uh, that the Biden administration will be focused on strengthening partnerships with Middle Eastern country, countries, uh, uh, preventing regional powers from limiting free access to the Middle East waterways, reducing tensions and ending regional conflicts through diplomacy, promoting regional integration, including... Uh, uh, through construct, constructing additional air and maritime defense stru- structures and promoting human rights throughout the region. Every word of that is a lie. Every single word. Even what Every he just said about uh, the, the oil companies, trying to blame the, the oil companies, saying that, you know, 
don't take advantage of what's going on with the prices, etc., and have some mercy on the American people, kind of like blaming everything on them when he's the one that has caused the oil crisis in America. Well, let me, uh, that, that's actually the point that, that, that I was exactly getting to at the, at the moment. Uh, look what he's done with Saudi Arabia since he came to power. The first thing he did was he called them a pariah state. Secondly, one of the first things he did when he came into office was he basically broke the treaty that, that, that was signed in 1971 between the United States and Saudi Arabia to take care of Saudi defense by taking out all of the anti-missile systems that were in Saudi Arabia, that were based in Saudi Arabia. They paid for them. The Saudis paid for them. The Americans took them away. Saudi Arabia purchased 24% of all U.S. defense exports. So Biden is, is out there claiming that he's going to uh, uh, punish Saudi Arabia for raising prices. He has no ability to punish anybody other than his wife, probably. Even that. All right. We're going to hold it right there. We're going to a break, everybody. We're going to be right back with more news about what's happening around the world and how it can affect us. We'll be right back. One minute of Torah. Noah, the name and hero of our Torah portion this week. The beautiful world that God created had become much too corrupt by the evil ways of man, and so God decided he would cleanse it all with a gigantic flood and start anew. To spare the righteous Noah and his family, God instructed him to build an ark of refuge from the dangerous waters outside. Fascinating narrative, yet the Torah is not a historical storybook, but an eternal guidebook for life full of lessons for all of us all the time. Well, it's 2022, and my, are there floods around us. So much confusion, which, by the way, shares the root word of flood in Hebrew. Distractions and troubles threatening to drown us. What can we do to survive? The answer is in God's words, come into the Teva. In Hebrew, the word Teva means both ark as well as word. Come into the words of Torah and prayer, says God, and you will be safe from the turbulence around you. And then, when it's time to come out of the ark, or words, we will be sufficiently focused to view all through godly lenses, understanding there is a higher intent behind the chaos. Strengthened and calmed, we can now safely carry out our mission of revealing the godliness in all aspects of creation. With your Ayn of Torah, this is Chavai Zekovich. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. We are live this Sunday between 4 to 5 p.m. Israel time or 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern time. Israel is going to be changing its clocks in another week or so or a few days. And... uh, so keep in mind, because you you and the United States who are listening in, and maybe other countries as well, if you're waiting another week, there will be an hour's time difference from what we usually air at. All right, our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, and we are speaking about drugs, politics, wars, and gold. And uh, where would you like to start this segment? Well, let me just uh, sum up what, some of the things about America right now, and we'll go on from there. Um, uh, the U.S. spends more on its defense systems than the next nine countries together. Yet a report that was published this this past week calls the U.S. military weak, which I think is tremendously fascinating. Um, U.S. society, the United States has had the largest 
surge in sexually transmitted diseases in its history, a surge of nearly a third. While in parallel to that, its universities, if in, if in 2018, it's not all that long ago, the United States had 43 out of the 100 top universities in the world. It now has 30. So everything in the United States, every aspect, social, military, industrial, uh, uh, economics, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, educational, everything is in a state of decline. Everything is in a state of, 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 uh, of going backwards and not going forwards. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit, just, just a little bit about some wars going on in the world right now. Um, uh, I mentioned before that there are a lot of wars going on. Most of them are small. Most of them are not really important. If there's a war between, pardon me, people in Africa, but if, if there's a war between two countries in Africa, frankly, nobody other than crazy people like me really cares. I care. Most people don't. Sorry. It's just not, not realistic. Um, but wars that America has been fomenting, uh, such as wars in the Caucasus, not just in, in, in Ukraine, but in the Caucasus, uh, between Armenia and Azerbaijan, a war in the East Mediterranean, uh, uh, um, uh, Turkey and Greece are uh, on the brink of war. It could happen at any moment. It merely needs a, 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 a spark. Wars in the, Bal in the Balkans, Bosnia, Kosovo, Serbia uh, are uh, in a very difficult state. There's a war in Tajikistan. All across, if you look at the map, what I've just listed is all across the southern border around, I'm sorry, the surrounding Russia on the southern side. This is not by chance that all these wars are occurring. And of course, there are also wars like in Somalia and et cetera, et cetera, but we won't go into that, as I said before. Right? So just picture that, picture the map in your head. And look at the and look at what Russia is facing. And I'm far from a a, a, a a fan of either Russia or or Mr. Putin. But when Russia looks at the world, what they're seeing right now is wars across all of their borders in every single direction. And they're frankly frightened. The Russian people are frightened. And that's not a trivial item. For anybody to be to be aware of, it's not good for any nuclear armed country to be frightened. It's not only nuclear armed. Remember, uh, 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 Russia has more warheads than any other country on the planet, much more than the United States does. Okay, so let's jump now to Taiwan and China. Everybody's aware that the Chinese have this thing called their twentieth. Uh, 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 meet of the Communist Party, wherein uh, Xi Jinping got a third term, an unprecedented third term, and he is so-called so competing with Mao Zedong as to be the the most powerful Chinaman over the last century, or whatever they want to call it. Why does that matter? Who cares? Okay, so he has a third term. He was a dictator anyway. So who cares if he has a third term? What difference does it make? Well, let me just give a, a couple of points that make things perhaps a little bit clearer. China does does not make strategic decisions 
based upon tactical and seasonal political developments. So the fact that Xi Jinping got this third term, that's not a major development. That's a minor tactical development. China makes its strategic decisions based on things much more long-term than that. In the U.S., almost all decisions are based on politics and on, on a tactical expediency. China never does that, never. China looks at least at any time, at least at 100 years, not at a four-year cycle, at 100 years. That's the major difference in thought process between the Americans and the Chinese. Just to give you a little, a tiny little example, China now has 60 police stations, more than 60 police stations, at least uh, 60 police stations in foreign countries to use against uh, 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 overseas Chinese. Of course, it's, based, it's totally illegal. No country should allow that, but that happens to be that happens to be the case. Sixty police stations in foreign countries, illegally targeting uh, uh, expatriate Chinese. Just to give an example, in the UK, one person was there was a demonstration outside of a Chinese uh, consulate in, in a minor UK city. Guards exited the consulate, grabbed the person, dragged them inside, beat them up to the extent where he had to go to the, hosp the hospital. He was lucky he wasn't taken back to China. I said he was lucky he wasn't taken back to China. Yes. Um, well, they wouldn't have taken him back. They would have just killed him. But um, how did the UK react to that? Basically nothing. Basically no reaction. They said, oh, that's not nice. Well, that was like with that Saudi Arabian reporter with the K. Well, I forgot his not name. really, because Saudi Arabian reporter, we still don't really know what happened. We know that the Americans claim that he was killed under the orders of, of Mohammed bin, Sal bin Salman. We don't know that that's really true. We know that that was a claim, but there haven't been any, there's, there's been no evidence for anybody support anything in any in any journal there's just been talk 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 and talk and talk and talk there's no <sighs> evidence at all all right well we do not know what happened we suspect that okay he, that he was involved. pretty good yeah. suspicions but okay all right yes. <laughs> all right we we don't have a lot of time uh and i know you want to go into to other topics too but you can still finish this whatever you wanted to say but i i don't want you to run out of time go ahead okay um uh, uh, i just want to make certain that people are aware China will attack Taiwan. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that in anyone's mind. That's what people China are saying. China will not attack Taiwan in the way that America attacked Normandy. That's not the way they're going to do it. That, that, that would be the dumbest thing for them to do. The Chinese are never dumb. You can dislike them as much as you like. They're not stupid people. So China will attack Taiwan. I suspect That'll be a lot sooner than Americans presume. American, uh, an American commander, a very professional and respectable commander, said it will be in the order of, of years, six or seven years. I believe it's in the order of months. Taiwan will be attacked. It will not necessarily be attacked. Um, it will not at all be attacked by, a, by an amphibious landing. They're, they're not stupid. That's not what, they were going, that's not what they're going to do. 
but they can blockade it, and they, they proved that after the ridiculous uh, visit of, uh, of uh, uh, Pelosi, um, uh, who again did more harm than good with her, with her shenanigans. Um, they, will have, they have the capability of cyber attacks, they have the capability of air attacks, they have the capability of biological or chemical attacks. They have many, many capabilities, none of whom can be countered by either the United States or any other regional power. Just to give a bit of numbers here, the United States has about 60 deployed ships in the Pacific area. The Chinese have nearly 400 hmm. deployed ships. Yes, the American ships are more powerful than the Chinese ships. There is no question about that. They are more powerful. But the Chinese have anti-ship rockets that can sink aircraft carriers as far away as Guam. So there's an old expression, a ship is a fool to fight a fort. Chinese are fighting, if they fight, when they fight, are fighting on their own land. Yes, American can do a tremendous amount of harm to them. But there's no way that America can fight them from ships. It's just, it's not possible. It would so also anybody... probably be in their interest to invade or take over or whatever they want to do with Taiwan before taking the chance that Trump might be reelected or some other stronger and wiser administration takes power in the United States. I think that's a very wise statement. Yes, I don't I I'm, I'm, I do not think that they are ignoring that that issue. And I, and I have to emphasize that Biden just gave them an, an additional uh, uh motivation, an additional emphasis to do that by uh um uh, uh issuing a decree, which I'm not clear if that's even legal or constitutional, that any American citizen who works for a Chinese corporation will lose, a Chinese semiconductor corporation, pardon me, uh, will lose his American citizenship. I'm not certain if that's even legal, but I don't think it's been challenged yet. So I don't, I'm not certain. But what it has done is it has uh, uh, enhanced Chinese motivation to take Taiwan more quickly. Remember, China's biggest strategic problem right now, strategic issue, is semiconductors. The largest center for semiconductors in the world is China, is uh, Taiwan. So they need Taiwan. They don't need the Taiwanese. They need Taiwan. Right. And I expect that there will be very few Taiwanese left alive when they do it. Oi, oi, oi. That's terrible. Yes, it is. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm, my job is to speak to the truth. Well, it, so how would they do something like that? Just what? Starve them, or that takes there are too many long? Ways. You can starve them. You can. But you that can would take too long, can... and all the news and media would be every single day reporting it. You know, that wouldn't be good for China. You're correct, but there are ways of doing it much more subtly than that. You can you can uh, uh, do, use a massive air attack, for instance. China could probably take Taiwan within two days if, if they really want to. But I, I think the Chinese are going to use something which is very smart. They're not going to do something stupid. They'll do something well-planned. They'll probably start by taking... Remember, Taiwan is, 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 is... The country of Taiwan is composed of the main island, which, is, which, we use, which used to be called Formosa, 
and a bunch of smaller islands around it. I expect that the Chinese will first take a bunch of those small islands and wait to see if anybody reacts in any way that matters. Like the Crimea with Russia. Sorry? Like the Crimea with Russia. Correct. And when they see that nobody really can, nobody really has the capability, um, uh, Japan is ramping up its uh, weapons industries uh, uh, very quickly. Very quickly means it'll take them probably two years before there's any real difference. Two years for weapons industries, military industries, is very, very rapid. As I mentioned about America, these are industries that exist. They only want to enhance them, and that'll take three years. The Japanese are creating some of these industries from scratch, and they expect it to take two years. So that's super fast. But I don't think Taiwan is going to last two years. So just remember that expression. A ship is a fool to fight a fort. Nobody can can go from the United States by ship to fight China in any way that matters. And just to sum up that, that issue, Xi Jinping in his acceptance speech for the third term made a statement which I think is extraordinarily relevant. The use of military power needs to be normalized and used in diverse ways. He is clearly making plans, and these plans are far advanced. So what do you suggest, I mean, if you were a citizen of Taiwan, what would you suggest, or what would you do? Would you get out? Would you uh, emigrate? I'm a citizen of Taiwan, and I can't really say. I don't have, I don't have that level of detail. Well, would you, would you emigrate? Would you try to emigrate as quickly as possible? Um, I'm not a kind. I'm not the kind of person that runs away from things. So that's probably not the kind of thing that I would do. I'm the kind of person that looks at uh, patriotism as one of the primary things that's important in life. So I would probably not do that. But pre- most, a lot of people would probably call me stupid. I, I don't run away from fights. I just don't. Okay. Interesting. All right. Okay. Uh... Okay, let's go to the drug trade. Why not? <laughs> horrible, horrible stuff. I'm going to say some really terrible things right now. I'm sorry. Um, the international drug trade today is basically managed from Tehran and Beijing. Both of them are using the drug trade to massively poison and massively decimate Western culture, Western society. And they're extraordinarily successful. Um, The Chinese are importing into the United States fentanyl. The uh, Iranians are using opium, cocaine, uh, uh, meth, and etc., and again, they're extraordinarily successful. Uh, we're seeing now, uh, I, I just saw a report a few days ago that people are afraid on um, Halloween, which I find to be a, a, a repulsive holiday, but you'll pardon me if I, if I express my personal opinion here, um, that we're going to be seeing 
a tremendous quantity of candy or fentanyl design, candy laced with fentanyl or fentanyl design, the disguised as candy, whatever you want to call it, to kill large numbers of, of American children. Where did you see this report? Children anyway. Um, in parallel with this, uh, Hezbollah basically has control today of most criminal uh, 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 cocaine gangs in, in uh, across South America and, and Central America. They're using that for the importation of, again, cocaine, opium, fentanyl, and etc. <laughs> Pardon me. The, <clears throat> the fentanyl is sourced in China. The, the cocaine in uh, uh, South America, the opium in uh, Afghanistan and Iran, and uh, Hezbollah is the arm that's, that's managing this in, in Central and South America. Uh, 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 and by the way, Hezbollah makes 50% of its operating budget from the drug trade, okay. either by the drugs themselves or by money laundering. Mordecai, I have to pull you back for a second. Where did you see this information that it's suspected that kids going out trick-or-treating are going to get candy laced with fentanyl and or other dangerous, deadly drugs? There was a report on, in fact, there were more than one report. There were reports from on both um, uh, um, uh, uh, Fox and uh, uh, um, um, Epic Times um, uh, that uh, discussed this, uh, particularly with some uh, law enforcement individuals and persons of the, um, um, what is it called in America, the Drug Enforcement Agency, I think it's called, the, uh, in America, of uh, 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 senior officers telling that that's what they, that's what they were expecting on, in terms of Halloween. Well, you know, I just want to say this for parents that... Again, not to panic, <laughs> but uh, perhaps it's best that anyone attending that wants to celebrate this, hol- this holiday of Halloween, that they have private parties of their friends and, that's, and the parents are there and they don't go out trick-or-treating in today's I, I, day I and age. I agree with what you're saying, except I definitely would advise people to panic. If you respect <laughs> your children, if you, really, if you really love your children protect them. There are vicious, vicious people out there that have definitely targeted your children. There is no doubt about that anymore. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dead already. What a world. What a world we live in. Okay. Let's move on. All right. Let's go to our last subject for today, which is actually a uh, I, I'm ending it on a pleasant note, not on not on not on all this nasty stuff. And we'll talk about gold and silver. Um, uh, 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 gold and silver, as um, most people who listen to me, for some for some strange reason, listen to me. Uh, 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 no, I'm a, an aficionado of gold and silver. I believe that gold and silver are not only good investments, but better than most other things in trouble times and times of inflation in times of, of economic uh, uh, um, uh, difficulties. I am expecting that somewhere during the 
first quarter of 23 or second quarter of 23, the Fed will reverse itself and will cease to raise inflation rates. As soon as that happens, gold and silver will skyrocket. This is my belief. We are already seeing that gold is or seems to be at a beginning of a recovery as its industrial uses begin to outweigh the U.S.-led restrictions on it. Remember, there's already been a conviction of uh, 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 a so-called banker who was restricting the trading in gold. Uh, um, uh, a, criminal, a, a criminal conviction. Expect more of the same to be happening. Gold and silver are going to recover. I am absolutely convinced of that and become more convinced as time goes on. I'm looking at many different uh, uh, analysts that talk about it. Again, I've mentioned her before. Um, um, uh, 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 Daniela Camboni is the uh, um, probably the best source of information. Daniela, Daniela Camboni show is probably the best source of information on this issue that I am aware of on the internet. Very, very strongly recommend her show. And that more or less wraps it up for today. Okay, so I'm just going to repeat here, as we always do, that everyone is responsible for their own finances. You should, what we say here is opinion, and you, sh you should uh, check things out yourself, speak with your financial advisors, make your own decisions. And uh, with that very informational show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, very good to have you on. By the way, I want to remind people that our shows on Sunday, or at least my show on Sunday, airs live, and you can call in. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Of course, it's too late now. We've ended the show for today. But when you listen on Sundays at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 4 p.m. Holy Time right here in the land of Israel, know that these are live shows and you can call in and ask a question about whatever we're speaking about or you can weigh in on an issue as well. Share your opinion with us. We love hearing from And I love listeners. to learn if anybody can give me information that I'm lacking. I will more than be more than be happy. Beautiful. All right. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. Howdy. This is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.